it's certain that your equity investments are worth less than they were in January 2022. And if you are panicked or overreacting to that, then you are doing it wrong. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here with Jonathan Dio, who is um, <laughs> seminarian turned Buddhist money philosopher and now wealth evangelist. <laughs> uh, Jonathan is also the uh, author of Mindful Money, which is a book that for influenced me a lot. And um, he's the co-host on my other show on the Mindful Wealth podcast. Jonathan, happy to have you on this real estate podcast today. Terry, I'm glad to be back. You know, we're doing yeah. a little revisit. I like it. Exactly. This was like back at the beginning of COVID. I think you were like one of my first, uh, you know, inspirational podcast interviewees. So we're having you back uh, two and a half years later. So for those of you who don't know you, uh, give us a little bit of backstory. What was your journey that led you to be on the show with me today? So, uh, you know, I came to California from Montana State University to study Buddhism and uh, actually to be, a, to be a Lutheran seminarian to kick it off, right? And I, and I got out here, the Lutheran school I was going to go to school to, uh, at, well, it's really great English. Uh, my, my Lutheran school uh, said, you know what, we don't have any money for you. We know you promised you a scholarship. Sorry about that. You know, find a, find a scholarship someplace else. And the Buddhist school said, sure, we'll give you a scholarship. So I studied Buddhism and studied comparative religion from a Buddhist perspective. Uh, and, I, and I had studied a little bit of Buddhism in the past. So I, it wasn't that I was totally you know, new to the subject. But in the middle of that program, you know, I was going for a master's and had a dream of getting a PhD in Buddhism. My, my wife at the time, my first wife, said uh, it was her turn to go to school. Seemed reasonable. She'd been supporting me for three years. Uh, I wanted to do more meditation and less sort of practice or less less sort of uh, writing papers and thinking about it. And I wanted to actually practice more. So uh, I decided, okay. And I left and I dropped out of a Buddhist program. And so there's not, you know, there's not really employment design for that. So I went back to what I sort of knew a little bit about, which is investing. And I applied for a job at Dean Witter and started my career as a broker. And that lasted five years with Wall Street firms, you know, seven firms in five years and started my own company in 2001. 20 years later in 2021, uh, my brother and I were going to come together and we were going to, we were going to build something together. And my brother died in June of 21. So by December of 2021, I had merged my firm into a larger firm. And now basically for that, for the entire 20 year period, I, I, I worked on client education and on planning instead of, you know, wizardry in terms of portfolio. And I don't believe in portfolio wizardry at all. I don't think anybody can anybody can add any kind of value in terms of timing or market selection, time, you know, market timing or or investment selection. So, you know, that's a that's a little bit different from the industry. And so we focus a lot on planning and a lot on education. I think those are two things that we can do to actually move the needle for for client families. And so last year when I merged my firm into EP Wealth, I kept mindful money as an education platform. So we have courses, I do coaching in group sessions. Uh, and and I, I like the way you introduced me. Uh, what did you say? You said a wealth evangelist. You know, I think that's I think that's it. Is I, I think I can my hope is to inspire people that wouldn't ordinarily uh, think they could do it to build something, grow something, become something, become more than they are. 
So bridge the gap for me a little bit between um, investing and mindfulness or Buddhism or, you know, whatever kind of reflective process you've gone through and how that then turns into educating people. What are the links that people are not making that they should make? So I think, I think there's two really, really important links. And I, I think the first link, it's, it's like you, you, you can get lots and lots and lots of money and be miserable. <clears throat> and the reason people get lots and lots of money and, and are, end up being miserable is because they, they don't know why they have the money. They, they just got the money because, you know, they, they followed a STEM program and they, and they worked for Google and they've got a whole bunch of options. Now they're working 60, 70 hours a week to sort of do what? We don't, we don't know. They have, they've never done the intro, introspection piece. They've never figured out what they want out of life. They've never figured out, you know, what's important to them. So they've never aligned their their search for, for wealth, you know, quote unquote wealth, whatever they call it, with their lives. They've never aligned their activities. You know, this is the stuff that I do every day with, with how they're spending and, and what's, their ha- what's their true source of happiness. And so the first thing that I think it's really important is you have to be mindful of what your values are, what your purpose is in this world, and how you spend your money. You have to be mindful of aligning your financial life with the rest of your life. You can't just seek money, seek money, seek money for money's sake, because no one is happy once they, if they seek money for money's sake and they end up getting money, good for them in some ways, bad for them in other ways, because it will never be enough. You will always compare yourself to somebody else who has more. You will always be, and I apologize. I don't know if you can hear that, but there's people upstairs, you know, building things. So it's sort of loud, my bad. Um, Second thing, Second thing that I think is really important, and this is more in the realm of how you invest. And I said this a little bit earlier, you can't predict. You don't know what's going to happen next. And it's not that you're stupid. It's not that you should be ashamed of that. Nobody knows. The difference is if you, if you are aware that you don't know and you can't know, you can actually build a system of wealth management and wealth creation that doesn't rely upon or doesn't demand that you predict. And so if you build the system the right way, then you can grow wealth in any environment and you can face any sort of hardship or any sort of difficulty. And whatever you do, the world will send you difficulty. The world is going to give you challenges. Um, And if you're a real estate investor or a, a stock investor or an investor in anything besides commodities, at this point in time, when we're recording this, you've lost money for the first nine months of the year. Right. It's likely that your real estate investments are worth less than they were in January of 2022. It's certain that your equity investments are worth less than they were in January of 2022. And if you are panicked or overreacting to that, then you are doing it wrong. Like you, you, you can't be looking at, okay, what's going on in the world right now? What do I do right now in response to that? The mindfulness is you have a plan, you f- pursue that plan, you follow that plan regardless of what the environment's doing, right? So your plan has to take into account what might happen in the world. You've got to be aware of what might happen. At some point, interest rates are going to go up. You know, we've been talking about this in my office for eight years. Was I early? Yes, very, very, very early. But we knew eventually at some point rates are going to go up. And so we have to know when rates go up, what does that do to investments? Well, you know, it, 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 uh, it forces us to sort of reevaluate the the value of the earnings coming out of real estate, the value of the earnings coming out of stocks, the value of the earnings are down because the earnings have stayed the same, 
but the comparisons are, are worth more, right? The, the, the risk-free rate of return is higher, so your earnings are worth less, which means your the, the net value of the property or the stock that you own is less. That's why you see the correction. So now you've got to think about what's going underneath to see what actions you need to take. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great segue. Tell me about that because, I mean, you know, you're in the States, we're in Canada. We are having a hard market correction here because Canada is very overcommitted in real estate, um, more so than the States at this point. And, uh, you know, I, we did, I think we did some of the similar, like, you know, quantitative easing through COVID. Government pumped a lot of money into stuff, kept the interest rates low. But that was in an environment where Canada did not have the same 2008 correction that the states did. So we are already overvalued vis-a-vis, -vis, you know, the U.S. market. So in this kind of, you know, turbulent moment where like a lot of people, it's the first time that a lot of the investors in my space are living through a downturn. Um what should you not do <laughs> to be chicken little? <laughs> well, I mean, I, the, the one thing you don't want to do is just is to like panic and, and act on the panic. Like that's I think that I think the reality is in real estate, you see less panic than you do in stock market stuff, because in real estate, generally, when people are investing in real estate, they have a pretty consistent revenue stream. If you buy the real estate correctly, you know, if you're not betting on increase in value for your total return if you're betting on on you know rent or you know some kind of rental income or consistent income source for your return then i think you're going to be fine you know it's it's a question of what you're buying and then this and then the second piece is and this this is why i fall in the equities more than i fall into real estate and and and, and I, this is just a total personal thing there's no judgment on anyone that wants to do real estate instead but it's for a limited amount of capital I can diversify an equity portfolio with a limited amount of capital. It's difficult to diversify a real estate portfolio. I mean, you can buy a REIT and you can buy, you can do a, you know, you can buy with a group of people that are buying lots of different real estate together. So you get some diversification, but usually most people I see that do that are doing that in a local environment, right? So if you're, if, if you're buying, a, if you're partnering, if you're becoming a partner in a, in a real estate fund of some kind, um, there's so many different kinds, right? And, and, and that fund is investing in a, a specific subset of real estate in a specific geographic area, that's not diversification, right? If you can do that with three or four funds in different geographic areas with different different investment structures, you know, some commercial, some residential, some storage, some, you know, mortgage, whatever. If you're if you're diversifying across these things, which is an intelligent thing to do, then then you really shouldn't care at all about what goes on in any one subset, right? You, you don't have to think about it that way. Um, so for me, the first thing that I'm mindful of when I'm investing is I want to be, I want to be, have diverse holdings. When you're just starting out, that's harder, right? When you're just starting out, you have your, your first little chunk of uh, usable capital. You got to do something with it. But then your plan is this isn't the last thing I'm going to do, right? I'm going to do one and then I might do another one. And the question is, do I buy the building next door to the one I just purchased or do I go to a different geographic area? Because I think what you're experiencing is, is in Canada specifically, because you, you didn't have in 2008, you're gonna have a much rougher decline in real estate when rates are going up. But this too shall pass, right? If, if all you're investing in is Canadian real estate and you're just in one geographic area, as long as you pick the geographic area well, as long as your rents are still being paid, as long as you know people aren't, you, you don't have a vacant space and, and people aren't closing companies in that, you know, in that town, in that city, then, you're going to be fine. It just may take you a little bit longer to break even. 
if you invested and you didn't speculate. And I think one of the things that was a real aha moment for me in the last time you came on this show, so you know, two and a half years ago, is you really delineated the difference between those things. And I wonder if you might just do that again, because I think people need to hear it again. And I think, like you said, when you're betting on like a certain amount of rental income and you have a certain loan behind it, and that's your bet, that's one thing. But if you're hoping that there's going to be some other magic, which I think a lot of people here have been hoping recently, that those kind of hopes might be disappointed. So just take us through that difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So speculation is the, the idea of speculation is just the idea that I'm going to I'm going to buy a thing and it's going to quickly go up in value. I'm going to capture that value by selling the thing, right? F- flipping uh, a new a home. Real estate investors aren't usually the worst at this. I mean, usually, this is a stock market kind of a game that that I see people play. Uh, and I know that in the last probably 15 years of real estate investing, real estate has moved a little bit more towards the idea of flipping, the idea of a quick buck. And I'm just going to say that the, the, the quick buck doesn't work consistently ever. Like it just so happens that in a zero rent, zero interest rate environment, many people were sold the idea that they could make a quick buck, whether that be in a SPAC or a meme stock or a some kind of IPO thing or a piece of real estate or or an NFT. There's just or a crypto or there's just so many things when there's a zero interest rate environment. There's so many people out there selling something that they're going to tell you this is going to do really really well, you know, right away, and you're going to make a bunch of money. And anytime someone is saying that, they're selling you something else. Right? They're they're it's it's first of all it's bullshit. You can't predict quickly. You can't predict something happening in a, in a short period of time. That's impossible. That's speculation. In any investment you know, idea, platform, process that says, you know what, I'm going to do this for 20 years. And over 20 years, I'm going to capture the average return. That's great. That's, that's what you want. The average return is enough. It is, you know, if you get, if you have a slight increase in value in your real estate over a 20 year period, and it's two to 3% in, in price, and you get consistent revenue from rents, that's a fantastic investment, especially in the States where you get some tax benefits to go along with it, some leverage benefits to go along with it. So it, it can become a very, a very nice return. You got to do the work and you got to, you know, the thing is, no matter how you invest, at some point in that investment's life, you're going to get smacked. Right? Who was it that said, uh, I think it was, Mike, it was Mike Tyson, right? The great Mike Tyson, the philosopher Mike Tyson, who said, you know, everyone gets, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, Right. And that's what's happening right now for investors. We just all got punched in the mouth. You know, was it was it expectable? Yes. Was it predicted? Yes. Sh- should you have known that interest rates were going to go up at some point? Yes, you should have known. Um, but let's say you pre- you acted as if you didn't know. You acted as if you know it wasn't going to happen ever, and you're always going to have zero interest rates. You're surprised. And so the question is, what do you do? Like, what do you do now? And I'd say that stay on plan. Like if you're over leveraged, you got to figure that out. If you, uh, if you're, if you're banking on a quick increase in value, that's certainly not coming about right now, right? So you have to figure that out. But that doesn't mean you sell everything. It doesn't mean you, you know, run for the hills. Uh, you may have to commit a little bit more capital. You may have to take on a partner. You may have to. There's all kinds of ways to work out issues, and you may have to think about some of those ways. But this is not a. It's never been a one-year game. It's never been a six-month game. It's always been a ten-year game. It's always been a lifetime game, um, and really. If you're thinking about this in a smart way, it's a multi-generational game. I'm not, I'm not building wealth for me. Like I'm building wealth for my kids' kids, uh, uh, and and I want that to, I want it to last. And 
in, for me, that's, that's where love and money overlaps. Like I, I, I have my needs basically met. I don't have a lot of needs anyway, so it's pretty easy to do that. Um, but now that I have those met, I have the ability to leave something. And I think that's for me, the reason I would say that your, your wealth evangelist title, that's why it works for me is because it's not, it's not wealth for me. It's not because I want to have a lifestyle. It's not because I want to drive fancy cars or it's not even because I want to take great vacations, all of which might be true, but it's because I want to leave something behind for organizations that I love and for my family. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. But so what do you think trips people up? Like, I'm curious about this. Like, where do we get this idea that we should be able to make a quick buck in six months? Because, you know, if what you're saying is true, and I think we have the same attitude towards it, like that this is a long game. Like, why is it that, why is it that we get seduced by this short time horizon feeling like we can time the market? I mean, we're, so the, I mean, I think there's two, there's sort of two things that, that, that feed into this. The first thing is there is no, and I don't know if this is true in Canada. This is true in the US for sure. There's no practical education about money. Nothing. We, we learn nothing. And you get out of college and you take, you get your first job and you go to your first job and they give you this hundred page. Now it's all digital, but used to be, you'd walk into the new job and they give you a hundred page documents, you know, pile of documents. Here's your 401k, here's your insurance, here's your stuff, pick your benefits, you know, good luck to you. Right. And you have got, you have no idea what you're doing. And so you, you, you decide I'm going to, you know, do I defer money into my 401k, which is your retirement program here in the U S uh, or do I spend that money? And mm, nine times out of 10, people are going to, are going to spend the money. They're not going to save for their future, you know, when they're 20 and they're getting their first job. So, so there's no education. There's nothing practical. We teach anybody about money, which means we fall prey to everybody else trying to sell us stuff. Right? The, the information we get almost universally comes from banks, people selling courses, you know, people, you know, th there's just so much shit out there. And in every single one of those things, it's self, it's self-involved. In other words, the seller is putting this stuff out there because they want to attract your money because that's how they make money. That's true. If it's banks doing it, it's true. If insurance companies are doing it, it's true. If brokers are doing it, it's true. If uh, uh, real estate people are doing it, it's true. If stock people are doing it. If someone has got a program for you that's you know you know sh short term right here you're going to make money in the next six months, they're going to make money by you following their program. That's really what that's about. And I you know I have some of those courses, so you know at the same time mine are seven dollars. Like so I'm not trying to get rich off this stuff. So so that's the first thing is there's no education. And then the second thing, and this is problematic, we're human. Like we have human physiology and human psychology. What does that mean? Well, that means when my neighbor come drives home with a new car, I go, ooh, I like that new car. I wish I had a new car. I think I deserve a new car. And then I go spend money on a new car. Or when I see my neighbor's photographs from their trip to Paris, I 
oh, you know, I'd like that trip to Paris. Maybe I'll go to Barcelona instead. Maybe I'll go three weeks instead of there two weeks, right? Because we're very competitive. We're very competitive in a dumb way. Um, this, is go, this goes back to the earlier conversation about knowing what's important to you. So don't pursue everything you see that might be interesting. Figure out, you go introspective. You spend some time solo, you know, looking into your own soul about figuring out what's important to you and you pursue that. And that's your thing and follow that thing. Not Don't care what everyone else is doing. And then, you know, we have this, there's a, what's the bias? It's, um, it's uh, there's, there's, a, there's a prospect theory. So Daniel Kahneman has written a lot about this and he wrote, he wrote multiple books on the topic. One, one is uh, uh, very much academic. Another couple of books are, are, you know, accessible to folks. This idea of prospect theory is you feel pain twice as bad as you feel gain. So what that means is if you lose 10%, that feels twice as bad as gaining 10% feels good. And so there's this, there's this, that causes an immediacy in our psychology. We, we, we think about what's happening right now, what's happening right now. And usually if it's a negative thing that's happening right now, that creates a much bigger push to action on ourselves. And that's completely brain chemistry. So what do you do? You know, what do you do? How do you, how do you work around these very physical attributes, these things that we don't, we can't really control? But we can manage, like we, we can't, I can't control my response, that fear factor, but I can manage what I do with that response. I can manage my activity. I can manage my behavior. And the way to do that, one, awareness that the fear is there, like note the fear. And this is, this is, I'm pretending I'm sitting on my Zafu right now. I'm meditating, right? And I note the fear and okay, uh, that's fear. And I name it. It's fear. What I'm afraid of. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to lose everything, right? Okay. Well, is that going to happen? No, that's just fear. So then the question is, what do I do about it? Right. And that's, that's going to depend on what issue you're investing in or what you're investing in. But this, this whole idea of the immediacy that comes from the psychology and the physiology, you got, I mean, I've, I've told the story. I don't know if I told this last time I was on here, but generally think, you think about where we come from, 200,000 years ago, I was on a savanna somewhere. Someone like me was on a savanna. Someone that looks roughly like me, they're a little shorter, a little stockier, had longer hair, you know, broader forehead, um, was on a savanna somewhere. And I was walking with a buddy on the savanna and we heard a snap in the bushes. And I just ran. I left. I was so, I didn't even, I didn't turn around and look and see what it was. I just bolted. I was out of there. And he was like, hmm, wonder what that sound is. And he was lunch for that lion. So I win because I am the fastest, the quickest to respond. I was afraid the fastest and I ran the quickest. Okay. As I was running away, I ran into somebody else, you know, a beautiful woman also brought her forehead running towards me. And she had the same experience with her friend. And now her friend is dead and my friend is dead. They're both, you know, lunch. Uh, and then we get together. Oh, this happened to me. Oh, it happened to you. We fall in love, right? We make kids. And so those kids are now being bred to be terrified. That's, that is their, that is their Darwinian success factor is, is they ran the fastest and then repeat that generation after generation, after generation, after generation. And we are the most attuned to a crazy environment. So every time the craziness happens, we are terrified and we are moved into action. And so my, having a mind mindfulness of that process, mindfulness and awareness of the moment where, Oh my God, I'm afraid. And then, this movement I have internally to do something about it, maybe I should question that. Maybe I should think about, okay, what should I do? What's my plan? Had I thought about this eventuality in the past? Okay, what did I think about 
when, when I was calm and was building a plan, what, what did I say I was going to do in this time? And that's, that's the thing you do. That's the thing you pursue. I think that's, I think that's really great advice. I was actually having a conversation earlier precisely about that and about, you know, how do you explain mindfulness to people? Because I think, you know, both of us come from a, like a kind of an investment heavy space, be it, you know, my vehicle is real estate, your vehicle is, is, you know, more financial investments, but that like to kind of bring some mindfulness into this, it's like not the normal thing that gets talked about in these kind of conversations. Like you said, there's a lot of people trying to sell you stuff. Then there's a lot of people trying to make a quick buck. There, there's a lot of stuff going on, but there's not a whole lot of mindfulness. And I think that's like a really great explanation of what it is. It's just like learning how your mind works in order to be able to hack it and do the right thing when that's difficult. Yeah. And, and the first thing, and this is, this is the part that's on everybody to do themselves, right? Is you got, you have to get that education first. You've got to understand how markets work. And this is, so my son is 17 and he's in the, uh, he's a senior in high school and he is, he, he said to me, dad, there's these, these, you know, there's these uh, uh, electives, you know, going into my senior year of high school. And uh, you know, what do you think? And I was like, Oh, there's an economics elective. This is one you should take. And no, we don't get that education. And it's so important to understand how economies function. And we generally get afraid of stuff. And I mean, so interest rates go up and property values go down and stock values go down. But the reality is people are still paying rent, right? Companies are still paying the rent on the buildings that they're in. You know, no one is, or maybe on the, maybe on the margin, there are some people that are, that are downsizing. And on the margin, there are some people that are, you know, some companies that are, and, and now is a special time, right? Now is not just interest rates rising, but there's now, what's the office going to look like? You know, we don't know how people, you know, malls, these retail stores, you know, combating Amazon. And at the same time, uh, office buildings, are we going to have 10 offices or, or three offices because people are working from home? Like we don't, are we hot desking? Are we actually going to have a space for every employee? So these are all questions that are, are being asked in the, in the real estate area and we don't know how they're going to come out but god i don't remember where i was going with this no i mean i think it's you're you're referencing the level of uncertainty right yeah. is that like you know and and i think you're right in the sense that like you can look at you know economics okay and so like right. there are business cycles there are interest rate cycles there are things like that that you can chart and like you know there's the inverse correlation between interest rates go up real estate values go down that's one thing but then you throw in COVID and right. Ukraine and all these other instabilities, which are somehow all tied together. And then that just makes a cocktail. We're like, okay, like now the prediction factor is really very difficult. And, yeah. and, and the point of all that is, is get education, like learn how that's what I was. That's, I started there with that Eli story, you know, he's taking economics. I was so excited. He was taking economics because he's learning about something that most people don't learn about. And that's, you have to take an economics class. If not, Khan Academy has tons of economic stuff. They've got a ton of market stuff in Khan Academy or other places like that. Udemy, there's all kinds of places you can get free courses. You can take my courses. You know, there's a, there's a group of people. I, I give I give our courses away, our basic financial literacy courses. I give them away for groups of people. Individuals can take them for like no money at all, but I give them away for free to groups. So people should just take me up on that. Yeah. No, Jonathan, I think you're absolutely right with that. I mean, Canada and the, and the US, like we're running on the same paradigm here. And like, you know, I can't imagine like what, I don't want to say trigonometry is useless, but like, or algebra, is, or algebra <laughs> is useless, but like, honestly, like, would you, is it more important to know how to calculate compound interest on a mortgage or to understand like how your credit card actually works? Or is it more important, you know, to be able to 
calculated, you know, the square root of the hypotenuse of God knows what. Like it's it's not, you know, I mean, it's just not adapted to the actual problems that people face. I just that that's a, how do you calculate the square root of a hypotenuse? Of don't. Right? I don't even know. I don't even know how to do that. No, I think that's how you calculate the length of the hypotenuse is like this times this, the square root of this anyway. Yeah. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Yeah, there, I got it. So there's the square root anyway. <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about. So Jonathan, we're getting to the end of the time that we have for this interview. Do you have any kind of like last piece of advice or last thing that you want to share before we uh, wrap up? You know, the thing, I think there, there is something I think is important for, and I this this applies more to folks like me. I, I we have We had this sort of background discussion a little while ago, right? And the thing that I, I would point to is that anybody can do this stuff. If you, if you set as one of your goals, financial security, I mean, don't even worry about wealth. Just if you, if you set as one of your goals, financial security, which is what I started out wanting, and you learn how to create a financially secure world for you and your family. So it requires education first, right? So you get some education, you learn how to plan for your own financial security, you learn how to you know, spend more mindfully, which usually means spending on fewer things and maybe smaller amounts so that you can save and invest. And you can be secure and anybody can do it. It's, there's no, no one is limiting anything here. Uh, in fact, I would, I would go far as to say if, if you've tried something, you know, with your heart, like not just, you know, phoned it in, but if you actually give something a try and fail, and you give something else a try and fail, and give something else a try and fail, I'd say you're closer than most, right? Because the universe cannot deny you. It, it can't deny you. It, it, eventually, you learn, you iterate, you try something, it doesn't work, you try something else, it doesn't work, you try something else, and then eventually something works. And as long as you're pursuing something that is a passion of yours, something you're good at, something that you enjoy doing, you will keep fighting through any kind of obstacle, any kind of issue. So, so A, you can do it. B, it's important that you do something from your heart because uh, you won't, if it's not from your heart, you won't, you won't power through, you won't fight through the over the, the, the challenges and the challenges are going to be real. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. And, and the key is when you get punched in the mouth, can you keep moving forward? And if you love the thing you're doing, you'll move forward. And C, which you, you mentioned at the beginning, but then didn't come back to, is the education part. And I think, you know, like that without getting seduced by things that has bells and whistles on it, like we're, we have such a luxury that today we are in this ecosystem where very low cost resources are available in your smartphone, which you're fiddling with for four hours a day anyway. And so there's really no excuse to not avail oneself of that education, even if society didn't package it for us and put it into you know high school math fair enough but it's the resources are there you just have to have the patience and the motivation to go and get them and uh, i think and and the the really good there are really good free resources there are resources out there you do not have to pay for and that's i just be really careful if someone's selling you a four thousand dollar course on how to do a thing i just be really careful with that kind of stuff thank you jonathan so if our listeners want to learn a little bit more, connect with you more. Uh, what's the best way to do that? Best place to find me is at mindful.money. Um, that's, there's no.com. It's just mindful.money. And you'll find all the social media stuff there. The places I'm most active in social media are Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm sort of, you know, 
questioning my relationship with Facebook at the moment. So, so uh, LinkedIn and Twitter are the best places to find me, even though Elon Musk actually decided to buy Twitter. You're not on TikTok, Jonathan. I'm shocked. No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Jonathan. Um, and you also, obviously, we have, uh, you know, another podcast together. Jonathan has his own podcast. I, 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 his book, Mindful Money, really, uh, you know, influenced me and, and inspired me to get in touch with him. And we now have a podcast. So those are also really great ways to connect with Jonathan. Thank you so much for sharing your uh, insight with our audience. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.